for suit? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Well, I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. What's up, everyone, and welcome in to the Aural Pleasure Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Rutledge. You can follow me on Twitter, at BillyRSports. And we have a very special guest today in studio. He works with me at iHeartRadio. He's a news radio personality on 840 WHAS, 9 to 12 weekdays, and also the host of The Disruption Zone, a podcast with former UK basketball star Cameron Mills. His name is Leland Conway. Leland, big thank you for coming in studio. And Dude, talking. what's up, man? This is awesome. I, I love know. it. Finally I love your you podcast, on. by the way. I doubt it's, I'm, I'm su- subscribed on iTunes and download it weekly. Love yep. it. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Aural Pleasure, presented by iHeartRadio, the podcast for the short attention span. And you like it. the name, too, yeah. right? No, I do. I think, it, I think it's awesome. I think, well, you manage, I think, to have in-depth conversations in a short amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like you, 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 you're catering to both needs in the world today. Give it to me quick, but make sure... That it actually has some substance to it. Yeah, well, these, it. these millennials don't want to wait. <laughs> they don't want to listen to two-hour podcasts, so we try to make it short. And it, it seems like you are familiar with the game, but let's rehash it for everyone still sure. listening. We got three sound bites. We'll react to them, and we try to do it all in less than 30 minutes. Love it. Love it. Love all right, Leland Conway's our guest. Let's see what we got up first. A surprise word now from Facebook of another major breach, this time an attack hitting up to 50 million people. The attackers did try to query our APIs to access profile information fields like name, gender, hometown, etc. Uh, but we do not yet know if any private information uh, was accessed that way. It's an arms race and we're continuing to improve our defenses and I think that this also underscores that there are just constant attacks. That sound courtesy of NBC News and also Mark Zuckerberg talking about the recent Facebook hacks. On last Friday, 50 million users were hacked. Over 90 million users were logged out of their account, if you noticed that last week, due to hackers getting into the view as function of the Facebook account. So I bring this to Leland Conway, who talks a lot about privacy, a lot about cell phones in today's age. And my question to you is, Leland, why should we be trusting Facebook? Why do we trust these social media sites anymore? I don't think we we, we, we should. Um, I'm not saying... Don't use Facebook. I'm saying use it under control. You know, um, you know, there was just a, a news story out this week that there were uh, there was a gang of people going around Hollywood and they were robbing stars' homes. And the way they were figuring it out was where they go on Facebook. Like when they, I'm in Cancun for my vacation, so they just tracked them down, knew they weren't at home, and went in. But the model for Facebook is third party data. That's what it is. It's, yeah. it's getting your data and selling it to a third party. That's always been the model. Since the time when Facebook started out as, I'm going to go check out cute girls when I'm in college on Facebook to now where it's basically people are spilling their guts, their entire life story on there. And like, look at my bunion on my foot. You know, they're using all of this information. They're tracking it and they are giving it over to third parties most of the time without your permission or with your tacit permission. Uh, and it's being used to manipulate you, either through the sales process, political stuff, as we found out in the last two election cycles. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think you should look at it with a wary eye. I'm not saying you shouldn't use it. I use it. Got to use it to do what we do. You and mm-hmm. I, as as media personalities, you have to use it. But you should be aware of the fact that whatever you put on there, you know, I've always tried to practice this idea that don't say anything around a microphone that like would make my mama ashamed. And 
and that's kept me from <laughs> violating any FCC that's rules. That's pretty smart, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, I'm not sure that she wouldn't be ashamed a couple times, but I don't. I know I haven't violated any FCC rules, so... So, so I mean, that's how I practice. You should practice Facebook the same way. Well, it's Absolutely. not. It's not the first time this has happened. You know, no. you had the Cambridge Analytical data that came out, the yep. foreign influence campaigns, which has impacted our elections here in the United States. I like to bring this process up as the illusion of privacy. Yeah, I don't think there's any privacy in the world anymore. You can barely find it in a dressing room nowadays. Yeah, it seems like everything you're doing is monitored. And I tell you what, Leland, I know you brought this up on your show on eight forty nine to twelve on weekdays, but your cell phones are listening to you, sure. whether you like it or not. I could talk about, I want to buy a suit for a, an event <laughs> coming up, and then I will get ads on my Facebook Jose and, Bank. And, and on my web pages <laughs> about Joseph A. Bank. Two ties, $50. And, and even if I uh, agreed to that or not without knowing it, I think that's incredibly creepy and leading to the, that kind of overall Big Brother effect. Yeah, but I think it's a question of, like, society, what is it tolerant of? Like you and I might think of it this way, but is that aging out? I mean, I know you're a young guy, but you know, a lot of people that are younger than me just kind of yawn when you talk about the issue of privacy. But there's there's an aspect of this that I think is I have okay, I can't remember the guy's name that basically started the internet. And don't say Al Gore. <laughs> the guy who invented the internet, the right. actual guy who invented the World Wide Web. I forget his name. We can look it up or we'll whatever. We'll get our interns on. Yeah, there we go. But the guy who invented the internet has now, he's, he's on the cusp of, I just read this article the other day, reinventing it and literally upending it. He's got a company, it's a startup company called Interrupt, and it's a new internet interface system, basically, is the best way to know how to describe it, uh, called Solid, I think is the name of it. And it basically reimagines the internet. Like, so imagine all the different social media outlets that you have right now and all the different pieces and information that you put up about yourself on the web. And what if that was all in a pod that was designated just to you? No one else could access it unless you let them. Okay. You own your information. So in other words, if you had an Alexa type device that you could talk to and have your bank account information in and shop with that, but you knew that Amazon wasn't actually listening to that conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like it was actually yours. You owned it, just like you own your computer, or just like you own, you know, your 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 inanimate objects in your home. They're getting ready to roll this out. I don't know what it's going to do. I don't know if it's going to really revolutionize the internet like they say it will. But it's essentially threatening people like Facebook and Google and all these big data companies because it says, "Wait a minute, you don't own our information just because we happen to be upon your website. We own our own information." Now, if this is successful. And it really does re-envision the way the internet goes. I, I mean, we could see a complete change, you know, in how all of this works. But the question is whether or not people actually want it. You know what I mean? Right. I, I have a, I have a, um, I don't want to tell you the idea because I'm actually working with a developer on potentially monetizing this. So if I actually say how I want to develop this, uh -huh. someone might steal my idea. But I actually have an idea for how to do a privacy web app so that everything you do online could literally be private. And if this is successful, I, I mean, I'm working on it right now with a developer and it's, I, it's my vision of how I might be able to still participate in the economy online, but not have third parties following me around everywhere. I think there's a huge market for that. Mm. I think, I hope so. I, I, despite what you said about kids yawning at the fact of privacy today, I think there's a lot of people that do not want their their spoken word or their web searches used against them whenever they want. That's a good point. Yeah. And, Do you uh, think younger people are more cognizant of privacy than maybe they're given credit? 
Yes, I do. And I think it is also true that a lot of them don't care. I think at the same time, there is a same there is a market of younger adults that are saying everything that I do is already being recorded. Right. Whether it's the video game that I play, it's the job that I do, the cameras that are constantly around me. It always seems like God, I don't even know where I'm going with did this. You see, well, did you see where 52% of employers are monitoring their employees' emails? I did not know that. I know that's that creepy. That, that is weird. I don't want people in my emails. I also yeah. heard a story about a, a company using chips, inserting it into yeah. somebody's hand, right. so they can use the chip to get an in and out of the buildings. They can use it to buy vending machine right. things. I'm, that's way too far for me. I'm yeah. not, not putting a chip in my body. Yeah, me neither. I, I don't know. That that freaks me out. I I, I, I hope you're right. Um, that there is kind of a pushback. I, I want to be able to participate in a connected economy. But like you, I think the way you worded it is, I don't want to be, I don't want to have that used against me. Yeah. You know, you still want to have your, you know, I, I think Glenn Greenwald, the guy who broke the, the Edward Snowden story, uh, did a TED talk that to me remains one of the most powerful TED talks. Um, and he was talking about why it matters. And he said, let me ask you a question. If you were on your way um, to go to the doctor for you know, any number of issues health-wise, would you want everybody to know it? You know, if you, when people say, I mean, I'm being watched anyway or whatever, I mean, and it doesn't matter, you know, if I'm not doing anything wrong, why should I worry about it? That's like the big thing is, if I'm not doing anything wrong, what do I have to worry about if somebody's watching me? Well, okay, let somebody follow you in the bathroom again. And and do you really want to let somebody do, no, because that, that that's a moment of private inner sanctum. Mm -hmm. That's why we call it our, what is, what is it, your uh, constitutional, you know? Mm -hmm. There's, there's moments when we just don't want anybody watching. We're not doing anything wrong, but we just don't want to be watched. You know, and that's, I think that's like a, a deep-seated part of humanity. And his point was, just because you don't want to be watched doesn't mean you're trying to hide something. It means there's just parts of you that you don't want exposed to other people right now. Right. Think about relationships that we have. You know, your girlfriend, your wife. Do you want to be with them 24-7 or do you need what they call me time, right? Everybody does. It's the same concept. We can be on social media, Facebook, Twitter all the time, but there's times when we just don't want to be watched. Might not be up to anything nefarious at all. Just don't want to be seen. You know? Leland Conway is our guest here on the Oral Pleasure Podcast presented by iHeartRadio. Before we switch topics and go to the next soundbite, you brought up something that's interesting that we're on social media because of our job. Right. Promoting yeah. what we do, promoting when we're on guests that we have. If I wasn't in this career, Leland, I can say with 100 percent certainty, I would not be on social media. Same here. It's too negative for me. Yeah. I, I don't care about old high school relationships that I've had, <laughs> what they're doing, what their career is. And also, especially with Twitter, I think it is a cesspool of negativity. Yeah. I think people go there to make fun of people, for uh, to laugh, and it's not something, if you're going to go there and look for any sort of positivity, you're not going to find it there. Twitter is the source of one of my greatest personal victories in life, and that's overcoming the absolute necessity to respond to everything. And win every argument. I made the mistake a couple of times in the last year. Getting in the mud. Of getting in the mud. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I did, I knew it. And it was like you carry it out and it's like you can't stop. And then you step back. And I actually finally, at one point, I put, I posted on Twitter. I said, nothing constructive has ever been discussed on Twitter. I mean, it hasn't. <laughs> There's never been a, dis I mean, think about it. 
There has never been a constructive thing said on Twitter. Yeah, there's funny stuff. Every now and there's a concise and insightful point. But there has never been a constructive conversation on Twitter in which people walked away enlightened. You can't do it in 280 characters. You can't. And I would also say more people have lost their job through yeah. things like Twitter and social media than ever. Way more career. downside than upside on Twitter. But yeah, we have to be on there because, you know, especially as, as a media personality, it's again, it's a way to give people a snapshot of what we're talking about today or, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, there's just nothing constructive about it. All right. What do we got next? My clients do not want to stop Top Golf from coming to Louisville. What they want to stop, what they want to stop is Top Golf imposing its lights, its 175-foot poles, its noise and its traffic and its operating hours until 2 a.m. and lights on all night near any subdivision. I and many others were relieved to know that this project we passionately support will be a win-win. 500 new jobs, three new restaurants, and only benefits for our community. Attracting businesses like Top Golf is exactly what Louisville needs to continue its leveling up mindset. That sound courtesy of WLKY, the next installment of the Top Golf Sega here in Louisville. Monday night, there was a hearing at the U of L Shelby campus where hundreds of people turned out to talk about whether Top Golf in the Oxmoor Center should be coming to Louisville. A lot of arguments on both sides. Leland, I'm sure you've talked about this a little bit on your show on 840. Yeah, it's classic NIMBY. I mean, what's the big deal? Right. Well, not in my backyard. Yeah, not in my it, backyard. If you heard the first guy's comment, I think that was the lawyer that's representing the community group that wants it to stop. Uh, we're not trying to stop them from coming to Louisville. We're just trying to either strip away everything that makes them what they are or move them someplace else. You know, uh, that, that and, and again, everybody loves the idea until it's right in your backyard. But I, I just want to say to people, like, you live next to a mall. You know what I mean? I, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you want? Do you want a dead mall? Because mm-hmm. the malls are dying. Seven, it just came out today. Seven uh, stores and vacancies open 7% down. So in other words, malls have 7% less. Almost one in 10 stores in a mall have closed. I think Oxmoor is even worse than that. And so you have the Sears, which is a major anchor company that's basically shutting down, closing its doors. And the the choice is, do you want a dead mall uh, or do you want something that's vibrant and an option for people to go out and to do things? You live next to a mall. It's not as if you moved into that neighborhood and went, geez, I hope they never develop businesses in our area. You know, I live out in the country. Cows back up to my house. The The loudest noise I hear at night is cows mooing, you know. Because they're looking for the next haystack or whatever. Right. That's the lot. I know there's never going to be a Top Golf behind my house. I know this for a fact. And if there is, I'll move. But, but I I moved there intentionally for that ambiance. If that's what you're looking for, move out in the county. Don't move next to a mall. You know. And maybe some of these people grandfathered in. But you live next to a mall. Don't expect to Come see on. the stars. Yeah. When you're I, living next to the Ockmore Center. There's an interstate on one side of you. There's two malls. You're not even. It's not even that you're next to a mall. You're next to two malls. There's two of them. Come on, really? Well, Monday night's hearing, <laughs> it lasted five hours. Hundreds of people talked, mostly the complaints about the noise, right. the lights, and the traffic that would come along with the Top Golf. Sure. And uh, because a mall doesn't have any traffic at all. 
It just it doesn't make sense. Maybe to me. we could grow petunias in the dried out parking lot of the cracked up, you know, old Sears in ten years from now, and there's nothing there. So I saw that Top Golf said if they don't if they don't make it here at the Oxmoor Center, they're not going to make it in Louisville. And I also hmm. think that this is a necessary step for Louisville becoming a city like Cincinnati, Agreed. Nashville, making that step, make, attracting people to come to this city to set up shop like Amazon. Yeah. That was yeah. a story a couple months ago. Yeah. Do you think it's necessary for Louisville to do something like that to kind of raise the bar and continuing that climb? Well, we ran a Walmart out of, that was going to start up in the West End. We ran that out of town, uh, which would have provided low cost goods and services and where it's needed food most. where it's needed most uh, then we run this out of town if we do and what's a business that's thinking about coming here gonna say you know um i thought it was interesting the comment you made that they said that if they if top golf said that they can't make it in st matthews they can't make it anywhere here i'm just curious i mean they've done the research on this so i'm sure they know but i had somebody suggest today what about jefferson town I mean, as it grows out, you know, you got the main event thing out there, but maybe that's too close of a thing. Maybe they're too similar. I don't know. But as you grow out in that direction, is that a possible? I don't know. But I find that interesting. And I, and I think probably the St. Matthews location is that it's central enough to everybody. I mean, whether you live West End, South End, East End, you can get to that. And that might be what they're thinking. But yeah, I mean, I think it's vital that we have options for things to do. Well, they will yeah. vote this week on the Top Golf. They had to delay the hearing because too many people showed up. And this brings me to my next point about adding things to the state of Kentucky that would help and benefit most people. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of people bring up weed. <laughs> a lot of people bring up gambling. Right. I saw that the Derby City Gambling, a sixty five million not a dollar casino. project. Not a casino. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Elon Musk when he sold those uh when he sold those flamethrowers. It, it's actually right. a roof torch. So that's a roofing torch, <laughs> right? And they just made it look like a flamethrower, like a gun type thing. And then when they realized that most countries outlawed people owning flamethrowers. They literally, this is no lie. He said this in the Joe Rogan podcast. He said they wrote not a flamethrower on the box, and now it gets through customs in all these other countries. So he just called it not a flamethrower. <laughs> so I'm calling the casino not a casino because that's what it is. Derby City game, I'm fine with it. I love it. But it's a casino. They're slot machines. Slot machines, nine. Not a slot machine. Not, slot machines that aren't slot machines was literally <laughs> right. verbatim the article I know, that I, I know, read on it. I know. And you also Love have that. 900 instant racing machines. Yeah. It's already coming Hold on. across the country. I've got my Bible in one hand and my bourbon in another. And by God, don't you dare go play the slots. Really? Is that more just the racing industry wanting to control yes. all of gambling in the Yeah, and it shouldn't be able to. It should be wide open. I mean, yeah, you want to have a gaming board. And you want to have, you know, oversight, but they should absolutely open that up to whoever wants to lease, you know, and get that done. Well, I, I totally agree. Well, I'm already driving to Indiana to go to the boat anyway. Yeah. Why can't why take your money over there? Right. Why can't my my money stay in state and then be used in a productive way? Yeah. Look, I mean, I don't believe the numbers on either side of those kinds of stories. You know, I, I heard the last part of that soundbite was we're going to create 500 jobs, bring in X amount of money. Yes, maybe. Maybe they will. I don't know if they'll create 500 jobs. That's a lot of jobs for one particular entity. But that would be great if they do. Um, but I think we oversell and undersell those. Like the one side that will be against it, like with the gambling thing, people would say, oh, it's going to bring in half a billion dollars in revenue to the state. No, it's not. It's going to shift half a billion. I mean, it might actually bring in. 200 million but 300 million will be shifted because you might have spent it doing something else right right um so it's not all found new revenue but to me it's about freedom it's about choice and it is about economic activity at its sort of base level and if we if we as a city 
are as progressive, and by progressive, I don't, I'm not talking partisan politics here. I mean progressive as in forward thinking as we like to sell ourselves as being. We can't say no to big things like this that put us on par with other big cities like this. Mm-hmm. We don't even have an Ikea. In, not that in I, Louisville? Right. Not that, I, not that I like Swedish meatballs, but I mean, <laughs> or being guided around a store in only one way, follow the footsteps. But everybody loves those places. You know, we don't have that. And so a city this size, I mean, for God's sakes, pardon me, but to get into downtown, two of three interstates are only two lanes. Why? Because people think we can't cut down a couple of trees to widen the interstate so that when you have a million people coming through in a major artery, north, south, northeast, southeast, southwest city with a million people, we can't we can't get people in and out of the city because of this. So, yeah, we if we want to be progressive, forward thinking, an up and coming city that's doing big things like like an Austin or a Salt Lake City or these places where these economic revolutions are happening. I mean, Austin is like that. Salt Lake City, they're calling it Silicon Slopes now. I mean, because awesome things are happening there because they're open for business. If we send the message that, you know, this sort of glorified golf unit thing that is really cool and plays cool music and bright lights and all that stuff is not welcome here, who would want to invest with us? Yeah, it seems counterproductive. Leland Conway is our guest here on the Aural Pleasure podcast. Before we move on, what's your stance on marijuana and legalizing it here in the state? I don't smoke it. Never smoked it. Don't recommend that you smoke it, but I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pro, um, you know, making it legal, both recreationally and medically, especially medically. There's a lot of research that shows that it's good medically, but, um, but pro, I just can't get too worked up over somebody smoking a doobie and economic development buying extra bags of Doritos. I I'm sorry. It, whatever floats your boat for me personally, I've stayed away from drugs my entire life, never smoked or taken any of them. Um, but I see the other sort of side benefits of it. And I just, I can't get too worked up over what somebody does. My personal opinion on it is cigarettes and alcohol are much more dangerous, Far more dangerous. than marijuana. I yeah. mean, somebody smoking a doobie and sitting in their basement, uh, compared to someone going out having a drink, and possibly driving home, yeah. endangering other people as well. I, you shouldn't what, drive when you're high either. But. Well, no, but then look at the likelihood, okay? If I go to a bar, and I sit there, and I have seven beers, and I'm already inebriated, I'm not thinking, well, I better call an Uber. Not thinking straight. Right? Versus if I'm sitting at home smoking a doobie, and I get hungry, what am I going to do? Go upstairs. I'm going to order pizza. Order pizza. Yeah. I'm not going to go out. I mean, I mean, I, I, that's not a hard and fast statistic, but you know, something that makes you mellow is going to make you less likely. <laughs> you know, versus everything that we've seen. I mean, DUI kills more people than people who get murdered by guns every year or murdered with guns every mm-hmm. year. So, I mean, that that absolutely totally agree. And with hell, you. tax it. And then that that's an increased it. revenue source for the Well, state. that's the other problem with it. Right now, uh, they're lacing it with stuff that's terrifying. And it is causing people to freak out and flip out and do things they should never do um, because they're lacing it with things and various different chemicals that are uh, very unhealthy. Whereas if you do it legalized like in Colorado, um, you know, you, you kind of got a handle on it. And people as a, as a customer, if that's what you decide to do with it, um, as a customer, you are 
uh, you're assured at least of a certain level of quality. That's a good it. point. I didn't even yeah. think about it. You, you, you probably rest a lot easier yeah. knowing it's coming from the state and it's regulated than it is maybe something synthetic being put right. into something Which means like it's that. far less likely to cause some of the problems that everybody points to as being the problems with it. So I'd say legalize it. I mean, it's, again, not something that I want to do, but... You know, if, if if I think it's wrong for you to do something, then I should live my life in a way that makes you ask questions about why I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I can convince you in that conversation. But it's not my job to make legislation match my faith or my, you know, every belief. And if it's not hurting other people besides you, or it's my opinion that it's hurting you and not hurting other people, then um, it's really none of my business. It's a good point. What do we got up next? I drank beer with my friends. Sometimes I had too many beers. I liked beer. I still like beer. Had beers, have some beers. One beer, drink beer, drinks beer, drank beer, and drinking beer. You've probably had beers, Senator. Each week, Ralph Club, biggest contributor. You know, I got a weak stomach, whether it's with beer. I like you beer. For that. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator? Um, what do you like to drink? Next one. Hanging out and having some beers with friends, which I gladly do and which I fully embrace. That sound courtesy of Deadspin, Brett Kavanaugh in the hearing of the Supreme Court nominee and the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. Talked a little bit about beer, <laughs> something that we laugh at now. It wasn't the biggest laughing matter. You had Christine Blasey Ford talking about the uh, possible allegations into sexual assault uh, a long time ago. Leland Conway is our guest. He hosts a show on 840 WHAS from 9 to 12 on weekdays. And Leland, I wanted to get your take on the whole hearing, the whole situation. There seems like a lot of anger on both sides, and I'm sure a lot of people don't even know what actually happened. First of all, that soundbite, that was hilarious. I mean, because it's just (laughs) funny to keep, it was so funny to hear like beer come up as often as it did. It's even funnier now that, um, that they're now accusing Kavanaugh of lying under oath because he didn't talk about him his his having drank a lot of beer and it's like you put all those sound bites and it's like uh, i think he mentioned it like a thousand <laughs> how times more, yeah. how much more beer can he drink um yeah i i don't my take on this is that yeah i think these allegations would have been far more important had they been brought up during the confirmation process and you have to go back to what started all of this Diane Feinstein got that letter in July or August and sat on it for months from Christine Blasey from Christine Blasey for actually I think she got it in July and they sat on it and they went through the confirmation hearing process and all of these senators that were questioning Kavanaugh talked to him face to face knowing they had this letter and never brought it up to me there's a big part of me that writes that off as political now do I believe Blazy Ford? I believe she was assaulted. By who? I don't think it was Kavanaugh. That's just my personal opinion. There's too many holes in the story. I don't want to get too far in the weeds on all of that. Um, but basically, the Democrats waiting and wanting to wait till re- the midterms yeah, yeah. so they can reject the Trump's. Nominee. Yeah, and then the other. There's so many holes in all the accusations that have come forward, and then you have to look at the character of an individual for 37 years of his life, where you've got literally. I think it was the New York Times said they had in, they had interviewed dozens of people that couldn't corroborate any of these accusations. You've got 65 women that signed a piece of paper that said this guy has done great things for women. He's treated us all with respect. Some of these women dated him. 
He's had girlfriends that have come forward from fairly close to this time period that's in discussion here and said, mm -hmm. hey, he was always a perfect gentleman to us. So you have 37 years of this is his character versus a snapshot that's being created mostly by innuendo surrounding maybe having too many beers. Mm -hmm. And I, I told a story about a, a person that I knew some time ago that was a very straight-laced, prominent individual. And he was uh, a couple of friends of mine in college. He was on the side as a second job. He was selling like cutlery or something. One of these back in the 90s when those were really popular, you know, like door-to-door like -door. Door -door yeah. type stuff, right? So we were talking about it one day and he's like, hey, let's, you know, you guys want to go? There's a meeting at the Holiday Inn, con you know, Congress Center or whatever. And and we'll go down there and you can see what this is all about and see if you want to get jump in on it. So we go. Well, he's very straight-laced, very fine Christian man, older gentleman, very prominent in the sense that if somebody had seen what I'm about to tell you, they would have flipped out. When we went, the parking lot was full. And so he decided to park at the place next door, the business next door. He didn't know what that business was. But my friend and I, being younger college students, knew that it was the strip club. <laughs> he was that straight-laced. He was that naive, right? Uh -huh. So he parks there, and then we go into the hotel, and we're just laughing. We don't even tell him. We don't even warn him. He's got no idea. Now, that's pre-social media days. But if you had a prominent individual who was known to be straight-laced, very upstanding moral citizen, and his car gets spotted at a strip club, what is the insinuation there, right? Right. Well, as an eyewitness, I can tell you this guy had no idea what he was doing, and he had absolutely honorable intentions, and he never did anything wrong in any way, shape, or form. But somebody could have ruined his marriage today mm -hmm. by saying, look, we captured his license plate. He's clearly at the strip club, and not even known the facts behind it. Now, that, that, is, that, is, that is what all of this feels like. It feels like it's a lot of insinuation of a period of time, and there's literally no concrete evidence I mean, you have an accuser who said, I know who did this to me, and I know what they did to me, but I don't know when, I don't know where, and I don't know how I got to and from that situation. Mm -hmm. Right there, if you're looking at just pure jurisprudence, you have to say, there's no case. And can we afford to ruin a man's life based on that sort of lack of evidence? And a perfect example of this is... You know, you know, I look at this and I say, especially the court system, the Supreme Court represents sort of that innocent till proven guilty, that sort of justice is blind. This is a scary precedent to set that from now on, any partisan could come forward with an accusation that does not have any founding proof to it. Could maybe have a kernel of truth because I, I believe that Miss Ford was assaulted by someone. You know, it could have a kernel of truth. But from now on, just the insinuation disqualifies someone. From something like this that's that's a terrifying press that's a good segue to another question i have but i do want to mention that in his testimony how emotional how defensive yeah, yeah. kavanaugh was calling it a farce sure. i think that helped uh, at least in me to me in my book in believing him because yeah he wouldn't come off like that if it wasn't something that he was falsely accused of right right he, maybe he, was, he could but he was indignant it seemed like it was his like, like you said, it was his entire life. It was his name on the line. And like Senator Lindsey Graham said, that they're trying to destroy Kavanaugh's life here. Yeah. And uh, that would be the pro appropriate reaction for someone being yeah. falsely accused of And then, something. of course, he got in trouble for that reaction. Right. And it was like, dude, what do you—I'm sorry. I, someone said on Twitter, they, they said, do you really think that guy has the, the demeanor to be a judge? And I was like, well, actually, I want judges to have a strong sense of right and wrong. 
And so, yeah, I, here's, here's the way I put it. Okay, I have a lot of friends that are on the left, um, several of them in the ACLU, which disappointed me because they threw overboard their longstanding tradition of not weighing in on judges. And they have a longstanding tradition of standing up for people who are accused without due process. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what the ACLU stands for, right? And my friends in the ACLU have actually caused me to waver on a principle that I believe in, and that is the death penalty. And I have listened to them argue with me and bring in to my show people who have been on death row that turned out to be innocent. And I've looked in the eyes of falsely accused innocent men, and it's made me waver on the death penalty. I still believe in it as a principle, but I agree with my liberal friends that on the one chance that we put to death an innocent person, is it worth it? And I would just ask my liberal friends to think about this from that same perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have any corroborating evidence. None. And frankly, it's probably not possible to get that corroborating evidence. We have people that come forward and say, yeah, I saw him at a party. Whatever, man. It was college. We have no one who can say that this happened. So using that philosophy that we're going to – we have an entire idealism built around you're innocent until proven guilty. I mean, it's the crux of our system. It's the crux of democracy, really, that somebody can't come in your house and take you out and, and say, you know, until you prove that you're innocent, you're, out, you're off, the, off the market, so to speak. That's the crux of who we are as a nation, right? I mean, that's how, that's how we define the, the, the very core of freedom. That's a terrifying prospect to me. So I would ask my friends on the left – don't think about it in terms of the Me Too movement, which I think is a very valuable movement. I'm super glad that women are feeling strong and empowered to come forward and tell their stories. But don't think of it in terms of a political movement. Think of it in terms of, you know, do we have evidence? And the answer is no. Do we really want to destroy an entire family for the sake of a political agenda or because, you know, We've decided that since I mean, it, it, there's so obviously political games being played with this that it, it, it puts into mind the doubt. And again, reasonable doubt. I just can't go there. Leland Conway has been our guest here on the Oral Pleasure podcast. Leland, big thank you for coming on. Our Did I go time, too long? No, you didn't. <laughs> we're, we're actually running up on time, though. Cool. I do want to do a little bit of rapid fire. Yeah, sure. If you're cool with that. Fire away. All right. Let's start with your first car. Uh, Dodge Charger 1983. Wow. I, it I, idled at 3,500 RPM. I paid 150 for it, and I sold it for $300 two years later. Most famous person in your phone? Oh, God. I've got like, oh, man, I don't even know. But, but I know Bevan's probably in your phone, right? But yeah. McConnell? Not McConnell. Chris Peranto, Survivor of Benghazi. Um, the disrupted, disrupted podcast on yeah. iTunes. Yeah. Great listen. We go with that. Um, trying to think. Chris uh, uh, Kevin Sorbo? Uh, he starred in, uh, well... Um, what was it? One of the it was God's Not Dead series. Uh, so that that might be one of them. Okay, I don't, I don't know. All right, we can get back to that. I've got like two thousand contacts. <laughs> Favorite movie? Uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. I have not yeah. seen it. Yeah. What is it about? Uh, it's about the OK Corral Tombstone Shootout in Tombstone, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's a western. Uh, it's a uh, super cool. Sam Elliott is in that one. Uh, Kevin Costner is in that one. Good movie. Favorite place to eat in Louisville? Muscle and Burger Bar. Where's that at? There's one, I think, off Taylorsville Road. There's another, I think, down in Bardstown Road, uh, down in the Highlands. And it's super good. Uh, they have, like, bison, several different kinds of meats. It's kind of super healthy place. 
burgers are out of this world. So do you still eat there now that you're doing ketosis and kind of watching? Yeah, you what could, you they eat? have a lot of bunless options. So yeah, absolutely. And every now and then, just do a cheat, man. <laughs> Roll with it. Why Only not? Live once. Yellow, right? <laughs> uh, best advice that you've gotten or given. My dad said, if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing right the first time. I think that stuck with me my entire life. And final one, what was your first job? Cleaning out the um, greasy trash cans in the restaurant next door to my house. Really? Three days a week. How about in the media business? Oh, in the media business? My first job was uh, WLXG radio station in Lexington. Uh, I was babysitting coast-to-coast AM overnight. The show with all the scary ghosts and yeah. UFOs and chupacabra. And when I came in the first night, the guy that was supposed to train me just left. And he told me there was a, uh, there was a, there was like a, a metal bar that was standing against the window. And he's like, grab that if you need it. And then later I found out we were across the street from a prison. Mm-hmm. And a few months earlier, they had found a dead body in our parking lot. So it was like creepy. <laughs> <laughs> wow that was cool though I had yeah, a good time very cool you know Ryan Lemon was our last guest mm-hmm. on the Oral Pleasure Podcast and he said his first By the way, job uh, I, he was our realtor when we bought our house here really mm-hmm. yeah you talked a little bit about that as well yeah, we used to do the post game on UK together good he, dude he, uh, he told me his first job in the business was doing overnights as well yeah for a rock station yeah those are the days of memories because you get all the interesting phone calls from listeners in the middle of the night well, Leland, big thank you for coming and joining the Oral Pleasure Podcast. Yeah, enjoyed it. I think we went a little bit over 30, but I think uh, the listeners will love all the in-depth answers that you gave. Enjoyed it. That's it for us today. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Billy R Sports and keep listening to Oral Pleasure, the podcast for the short attention span. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, and you can also listen on Spotify and Spreaker.com. Now, you know what time it is. It's time for the sounds of the week. We need to make sure athletic shorts. And I know, boys, you're thinking, you know, I don't understand why it's not fair. Athletic shorts go past your knees. I didn't make the rules. Well, I kind of did. But that's the rules. So that's just what we're going to stick to. And that doesn't mean that you can wear athletic shorts. So everybody who's going, well, I got a detention for athletic shorts. That's what you're going to get. And if you don't serve it, you're going to go to Saturday school. So just don't wear them. And if you really want someone to blame, blame, blame the girls. Because they pretty much ruin everything. They ruin the dress code. They ruin, well, ask Adam. Look at Eve. It's really all you really get to get to. Okay, you can really go back to the beginning of time. So it'll be like that the rest of your life. Get used to it. Just keep your mouth shut. Suck it up. Follow the rules. All right. Okay, question? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. She's shocked that I picked her. No. She's like in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Scratch and claw and fight. And right now, we're we're comfortable being great. And I'm going to make sure that everybody in our program, including myself, is very uncomfortable. Because you only grow in life when you're uncomfortable. You see they laughing at me. You heard them, they scream at me. They bullied me. They bullied me backstage. They said, don't go out there with that hat on. They bullied me backstage. They bullied me. And then they say, I'm in a sunken place. 
You want to see the sunken place? Okay, I'm going to listen to y'all now. Or I'm going to put my Superman cape on. Because this means you can't tell me what to do. Follow your heart and stop following your mind. That's how we're controlled. That's how we're programmed. If you want the world to move forward, try love. Thank y'all for giving me this platform. I know some of y'all don't agree, but y'all be going at that man neck a lot, and I don't think it's actually that helpful. I think the universe has balance. 90% of news are liberal. 90% of TV, LA, New York, writers, rappers, musicians. So it's easy to make it seem like it's so, so, so one-sided. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We do not own any of the audio or music played in today's show. Credit to ESPN, ABC News, TMZ, and iHeartRadio. And remember, folks, in life and in sports, always play to win. See you guys next time.